Yeah, this church really loves to honor people, doesn't it? It's wonderful. But uh, it's great to be here. We were uh, sent out at the beginning of April, prayed out in one of the evening services. And, um, and so we've spent uh, 13 weeks in the UK and, and a couple of weekends in Singapore, visited 12 British churches and three in Singapore. And that's been great. Had some great connections. Nearly 170 people have come to faith in Christ. Um, over 110 baptized in the Spirit, uh, many hundreds through the seminars and just touched, and lots of wonderful healings and miracles. We're going to share some uh, fantastic testimonies tonight in the healing service. We're really asking and believing for the Lord Jesus to heal sick people, and so I want you to come expectant tonight for a healing, for a miracle. If you know somebody sick, bring them. But uh, it's been just great. I think it's gone to another level this year. We've really felt... Um, that we've been sent out, and that's been really precious, and uh, lots of great time with leaders as well in churches, very, very powerful times, so thank you, and honey, over to you. And it's thank you because of all the prayers that so many of you have been praying, and and that is why we, we have seen what we have seen. We really could not do it without your prayers, and we are very, very grateful I'm going to briefly share a prophetic word um, called Rise Up and Go. In summary, these are really significant times right now for many nations in the earth, and God is speaking much about the nations so that you and I can understand and play our part because Father wants us all involved in His purposes on the earth. There are also highly significant decisions that are happening, especially in the UK and the USA, and God is calling us to participate in these world affairs through prayer. The new leaders of these two nations, it's a very, very important thing. And you know, while we were there, the the elections for the prime minister happened and we were earnestly fasting and praying that God's choice of a prime minister would be elected, that a Churchill for our time would be appointed by the Lord. And it seems that Theresa May is the right person for this. We also need to keep praying for these coming elections in the USA, that God's choice of a president Osiris for this time will be raised up and appointed by the Lord. This is very critical because what I felt God say, it will determine the flourishing of the church and the gospel, and it will have wide-reaching implications across the whole earth, including New Zealand. It will affect us as well. Part of the call of Church Unlimited, as you well know, is to pray for the nations. And I feel God is saying, rise up like a company of Esthers, both men and women. And God is going to raise the bar of prayer in our church, I believe, to a whole new level in this coming season. You know, because these are significant times, there's a lot of shaking going on everywhere, and Brexit has caused a lot of shaking in the UK and across Europe. I believe that Brexit is God's will, and I sense that He's severing the cords 
uh, of bondage from the European Union and he's setting Great Britain free for his great purposes. He is positioning her, he's in process of positioning other nations for his purposes, for what is about to happen. And we need to pray, Lord, position New Zealand as well for the great purposes that you have for her. Another thing that I've observed is that Brexit has greatly shaken the kingdom of darkness and Satan has unleashed spirits of fear and panic across many nations and he's used people to spread um, doom and gloom. But what is so important in these times is that we, we hear what God is speaking. You know, the, the Lord says, in Isaiah 55:11, my word that goes from my mouth will accomplish what I desire, it will accomplish that, and it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So we need to declare God's word on the earth, and we need to pray his will into being specifically as he directs us. And and I know that in, in the UK, the, God was downloading very specific things to pray for that pri prime minister and for all the decisions happening. And he's answered it. He's, he's answered it very powerfully in a number of ways. You know, God is speaking to the nations and he's speaking to us personally as well. And one of the things he is saying is rise up. This is the time that calls for a Caleb spirit. Now, Caleb had a different perception. In spite of the difficulties and challenges ahead, he declared this. We should go up and take possession of the land. You know, there is land that's, that's under um, satanic dominion in New Zealand. God wants us to go up and take possession of we can certainly do it. That's what Caleb declared. So God is saying to Church Unlimited, rise up like a clan of Caleb's. Declare, we can in Christ. We, cannot, we can do nothing in our own strength. We can in Christ. And what I felt God also say in regard to this rising up is to rise up like a lion. Rise up like an eagle. The lion must roar, the eagle must soar. Remember, the lion of the tribe of Judah lives in you. Release his roar at the enemy. In the power of the Spirit, he wants us to soar on eagle's wings. He wants us to come up higher so that we can hear and see from heaven's perspective. And I feel that this word has got three layers, the, the lion and the eagle. It refers to us all as individuals. It also refers to the United Kingdom as a nation. And then thirdly, I feel it refers to the United Kingdom as the British lion and America as the eagle, the United States. Father is in process, I believe, of positioning these two nations for his purposes on the earth. They will play a crucial role in his future plans, and New Zealand will be involved as well. In England, God is issuing a rallying cry, and he will do likewise in our nation. He's calling the churches of the nation, rise up, mobilize, and go into all of society. 
God's great purpose is that England again become a great mission-sending nation that evangelizes the lost and participates in the salvation harvest of the nation. And New Zealand has the same call on it. God wants to restore this call again. You know, as Church Unlimited, we already go to several nations, but the sending is going to jump to a whole new level through our national New Zealand and beyond conferences. I really sense that at our future conferences, God is going to set on fire and empower many individuals from different churches, including us, to go. Just, I just see a mass of people going. It is harvest time. The harvest is ripe. We are on the cusp of a great move of the Holy Spirit for awakening and revival. And there is a harvest of salvation coming for our families and also for the nations of the world that we haven't seen before. God prophesies in Malachi 1.11, my name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where the sun sets. And God's word to us now concerning the nations in our day and our time is Habakkuk 1 verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if it were told you. You know, I really feel that um, those two nations, uh, Great Britain and the United States, uh, what happens there in the next few years uh, will reverberate around the world and we will be affected for good or for bad. And so we need to be praying. You can't just say, well, it's over there, it's happening, and uh, we need to be praying that God, how many know that God is in charge of the nations? Amen. Amen. And not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not the labor or national. God is in charge of the nations. And right now, there's, uh, you know, there's some things happening in the Western world, a Western world that it's turned its back on its Judeo-Christian roots. And the reason the West is having such trouble is that whenever a nation turns away from the God that blessed it, he then gives that nation over to captivity, over to tormentors, over to affliction. And in the Western world right now, there is uh, the radical Islamic terrorism that is doing that. There are other things that are happening. But in the midst of it, whenever God did that in Israel, it was always to bring them back. To his, his heart is always to gather back. He disciplines for a time that we might share his holiness and return to him. God never releases his judgments and disciplines vindictively. It is always redemptively that he releases disciplines upon a nation. And God is disciplining the Western world because we've abandoned the very reason that we became a blessed part of the world. And his name is Jesus. When we, when we you know, honor him, then blessing flows. When we turn away, then we're given over. Nothing. There's never a vacuum. You, you leave God out of the picture, and, and the enemy will invade. And that's what we're seeing. But I feel like these are days where God wants to turn that around. God wants to visit Europe again. God wants to visit the United States again. I said in the first service... The gospel came to New Zealand through British missionaries. We owe Britain a debt. I'm so glad this church is getting more and more involved in Great Britain because we are going to bless those that sent us the gospel. Hallelujah. 
That's why in Britain, you know, you go into the city churches, it's like Africans for Africa, excuse the pun, but like they're just Africans everywhere. But they're great people. They're praying people. They're people of strong faith, and they will help change the spiritual atmosphere of a nation. And you know, God has raised this church up along with other churches to not just have nice meetings, so you got somewhere good to go on a Sunday and midweek to home group. I don't want to live like that. Do you want to live? That is boring Christianity. There is purpose. You are saved for a reason. You are saved for the kingdom that's coming. You are saved now. The only reason God's not taken you to heaven yet is there are people He wants you to touch. There are things He wants you to do. There's purpose yet for your life to make an impact for the kingdom of God. You are not planted on earth to have a big fat bank balance. You say, I don't know what that is. Well, maybe it'll come to you one day. But you're not planted here for wealth. God blesses us as we seek first the kingdom. He gives us every other thing, but don't get focused on the blessing. That is the tragedy of the Western world. We got so focused on the blessing, we turned our eye off Jesus. And that is the reason we, you know, the Western world is in trouble. But God wants to visit it again. Hallelujah. He really does. And so, folks, uh, we got to become world Christians. I said in the first service, you cannot think West Auckland anymore. I know you think this is the paradise of Auckland. I understand that. You know, I know Pastor Targ, that's in his DNA. This is the power. You know, we say in the east, the sunrise is there. It's wonderful. But uh, we only live there because it's close to the airport. <laughs> we do a lot of flying but you cannot think West Auckland anymore. You must think Auckland. You must think New Zealand. You must think the world. You must think that way. You must become a world believer, not a worldly believer, but a world believer that you carry the heartbeat of God in your heart, that he shares. You know, when God entrusts his heart to a group of people, it's a huge responsibility of stewardship. And when we start to feel his heart, that is the reason God is blessing New Zealand and beyond, because it's starting more and more to align with the heartbeat of God. And I said to the staff the other day, I believe that next year's New Zealand and beyond will be like an upper room encounter experience over that week, where in the upper room in Pentecost Day, fire of God came on those disciples, and Jesus promised that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. That's what God's doing here. He's not blessing New Zealand and beyond for the sake of our name. It's for the sake of his kingdom purposes. So please be part of that. Um, just, um, just let you know before I get too carried away preaching, we've got our new book released today called Afterlife. And this is uh, subtitled Life Beyond Death for the Departed and New Life for the Grieving. If you wanted to know what happens when you die, or what heaven's like. We've got a whole chapter on what heaven is like, and uh, there's some visions that God has given to Greta and me and to other people, some teaching from Scripture. If you want to know what happens to children and babies when they die or are miscarried or aborted, there's some answers in this book. I know maybe some of you uh, in this audience or listening uh, you know, to this broadcast or whatever, you might have lost a child. You might have even had an abortion, and, and you, you know, you're regretting that. Uh, but there's some real answers in this book that will give you hope. Uh, if you want to know uh, what the resurrection is going to be like, what will your resurrection body be like? Like you think you look good now? You wait till then. 
Hallelujah. I tell you, you're gonna, everybody's going to look amazing. And uh, so there's a whole chapter on that. Judgment. Judgment of believers is for reward. Judgment of non-believers is for punishment. There's two quite separate uh, you know, chapters on that. And then the new earth and the new heaven. Greta and I also share our story of losing our spouses and how God miraculously healed our hearts, brought us together, gave us some visions of heaven, um, taught us a whole lot about how to navigate through grief. So if you've suffered loss or you know someone that has or you just want to know some answers about afterlife, then this book will be a great blessing. Pastor Tark wrote the foreword. Thank you. I would buy it for that alone. For that alone, I would buy it. And a special discount price of $20 today. Is there anyone you've lost a husband or wife um, just like this year maybe? You've lost your husband or your wife. Just give me a wave if you have. You have. Can I give this book to you? Thank you. God bless you. And may you be comforted by that. Acts 2, 17 and 18 um, says this. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my Holy Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Joel prophesied this hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus. Peter reiterated it in the book of Acts because he said, actually, what Joel prophesied, you're now seeing fulfilled. The last days are defined by theologians and Bible experts to be the time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And so we're right in those days now. And it says that this time period of history will be characterized, unlike any other time period of history, it will be characterized by an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all people, young and old, male and female, even on slaves. Slaves in Bible days were the lowest of the low. So whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter. The Lord is saying, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And the reason for that is that there would be a revelation, a prophetic revelation from heaven into the hearts of men and women throughout the earth. Visions, dreams, prophetic words. I like to report that I'm still having many more visions than dreams at this point in time. I believe Pastor Tark has many dreams. And uh, you say, what is the purpose of all that revelation? Um, because it's easy to get caught up in the excitement of the method of the revelation. Wow, I had a vision. Wow, I had an amazing dream. Wow, I got a prophetic word. Uh, and it's easy to get excited about the mechanism of how God speaks, but we need to understand why he speaks prophetically. And that's found in Revelation 19 and verse 10. It says the spirit of prophecy, the essence, the heart, the core of all prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. In other words, it all is meant to point towards him. When the Holy Spirit speaks prophetically, it is meant to draw us closer to Jesus. It's meant to focus our attention upon him more and more. And, I, you know, Greta and I love the prophetic. That's our gifting. That's who we are. But you know what? I've come to discover there's a lot of people that jump up and down and get excited when they have a revelation, when they have this or that, 
But, you know, we need to get excited about Jesus. It's not the revelation. It's Him. It's not the methodology. It's Him. And I don't know about you, but I sure just want to get to know my Savior better. I'm saying, Lord, give me a greater revelation of you in these days. I don't know you as, as good as I should. I want to know more about you. And I remember a few years ago, and I've told this story before, being on a plane trip in Australia And the Lord Jesus appeared to me in a vision and said, I'm going to give my people throughout the earth a greater revelation of me. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, what are we going to get? What what are we going to understand? And straight away, the Holy Spirit took me back to the early Pentecostal pioneers. And they preached what they called the four-square gospel. A whole movement in the United Kingdom and America started out of this ability to preach the four-square gospel. Nothing to do with groceries, okay? But, uh, you know, a square has four sides. And they preached that Jesus was Savior. He was healer, baptizer in the Spirit, and coming King. And where they went and preached that, thousands began to get healed and saved. We were in Birmingham this year, preaching at a large church. The pastor just said, this church started in the 1930s out of a... a, a, a a six-week campaign by a man called George Jeffries who preached the four-square gospel. 10,000 people came to faith in Christ over those six weeks. Like this church just got launched and still there to this day. It's on fire for Jesus. It's a wonderful church. And, uh, and so where in the world this is happening where the church is proclaiming Jesus, that he saves, that he heals, that he empowers, and that he's coming again. That the nations will not just spin out of control, but there's one who holds them in his hand. The government is upon his shoulder. Things may look bad out there. Things may look messy. It might be bad news out there. But God the Father holds the nations and He is going to answer the prayer of Jesus. You know the great prayer of Jesus? He's he's praying in heaven. It says He sits at the right hand of the Father. What does He do? Ever living to make intercession for you. Wow. Number one, he prays for his sheep. And number two, he is saying, Father, give me the nations for my inheritance. That's Psalm 2. And how many know Father is going to answer the prayer of his precious son? The nations will become his inheritance. Many nations are walking away from God today, particularly in the West. But many other nations are turning to God. And I believe the day will come where the Western world will turn again to the Lord. Because if you Cast your bread on the waters. You give the gospel to the other nations of the earth. There will come a time where it will return to you. I gave some statistics that I've given before, but many of you may not have heard. You know, they say that every day in China, communist nation, every day in China, 35,000 people come to Christ. Wow. They reckon within 20 years, if that keeps going, Uh, It could be the largest Christian nation on the planet, surpassing the United States. And they have a purity of Christianity that perhaps some Western nations don't have. Communist government's starting to crack down on that because they're alarmed at the rapid growth of Christianity. We were in a wonderful church in London, in East London, in Ilford, an uh, amazing church, and we were running a seminar, and the, one of the elders, he's an Indian, and he goes into India running um, seminars and conferences for pastors. He said, uh, now every day in India, 48,000 people come to faith in Jesus. 48,000. Like just in those 
two nations alone. That's 83,000. They reckon it's three, over 300,000 people come to Christ every day around the world. You know, on May the 28th, we had Global Outreach Day where um, churches and missions organizations and Christian agencies were encouraged to really reach out evangelistically. They now have the statistics in. Over two million people came to faith in Jesus in one day. One day. Two million. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Holy Spirit is at work. In Africa... There are numbers of nations that are predominantly Christian now. Uh, One of those would be Kenya, 85% born again. Uh, Two-thirds of Ghana is Christian. In Nigeria, they have the world's largest church, estimated two million people in the congregation. Don't ask me how they do it. I don't know how they fit everyone in. I don't know how they manage that. I know that some British pastors, (laughs) when years ago, the church was a lot smaller back then. I think it was like half a million, really tiny. And uh, they they went and they, they said to the pastor, these British pastors, they said, you know, what do you teach your new converts? He said, well, we have to teach them who not to raise from the dead. He said, they get so zealous, they just go out looking for anyone that's died and raise them from the dead. We have to say, listen, if they're over 65 or 70, let them rest. Just the young ones, raise them from the dead. Can you imagine that? We don't kind of have to run those uh, courses here uh, at the moment, do we? Who not to raise from the dead. I love it. Africa, south of the Sahara, is 50% Christian. South America's on fire. The churches are exploding uh, with growth in South America. And you know, one of the key things in all these nations, two key things, they are radically committed to the proclamation of the gospel with signs, wonders, and miracles, and they are fervently devoted to prayer. And it's those two things. You know, that's what the apostles said. We will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word, and nothing's ever changed. And where a church devotes itself to prayer and the ministry of proclaiming Jesus, where an individual Christian, you will devote yourself to prayer and the, and the, um, the, the passion of making Jesus known, whether it's just by conversation over coffee or whatever it is, you know, things start to happen. In the Middle East, there are more Muslims being saved in these last 15 years than in all of the history of Islam put together. One million young people have come to faith in Christ in Iran in recent times, and that's a tough nation to to be a Christian in, and a lot of it's by vision and dreams. And uh, of all the cities in Europe, Moscow has the highest number of Muslims living in it. And the untold story is that the number of Muslims that have come to faith in Christ in Russia in recent years, they estimate over 2 million Muslims have come to Christ in Russia. Russia has just passed a law banning the preaching of the gospel, making it illegal to convert anyone to Christianity or Islam or anything that's going to really affect. But how many know that men's laws cannot shut out the gospel? You know, just when, you know, I mean, don't you, don't you love China? Uh, Mao Zedong and his communist uh, folks come to power in 1948. The first thing they do is they shut the churches down. They burn them. They shut them. They, they kill Christians. They kill or, or um, exile missionaries. And what does the Lord do? He looks at that, and now China is on its way to becoming the most significant Christian nation uh, on the planet. Wow. 
You can't, you can't shut the gospel in. That's why I've got hope for New Zealand. I've got hope for Europe. I've got hope for the United States. Whatever the devil does, God will outdo it. Hallelujah. And you know, God will have the final say. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And you and I get to be partners with Jesus in building his church. You cannot afford to be a nice, cozy Christian. You've got to get the world into your heart. You've got to ask God to share his heart for lost people with you. When you start to get a glimpse of the heartbeat of God, it'll change you and transform you. That's the fire that's starting to burn in this church. You know, Paul said he was an apostle and a teacher. But when he wrote to a lot of the churches, he actually addressed himself as I, Paul, a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. I don't know what you are. You could be a a teacher, you could be an accountant, you could be a homemaker, uh, you could be in the police force or the military. You could be a sports person. You could be a number of things. But the first thing you are, you are a herald. You say, what is a herald? A herald is somebody that announces something. And we're all to be heralds. We are all to tell others that the Lord Jesus is their only hope. And you know, sometimes you get lots of opportunities, sometimes you don't. But one of, the, one of the powerful things that you can do is to pray for the lost people that are in your life. Uh, Greta and I have 40 to 50 family members, um, you know, blood relatives and in-laws that are not yet in the kingdom of God. And uh, we are going after them in prayer because we don't want any of them to perish. We want our grandchildren to have godly influence on both sides. And wow, you know, uh, one of our son's father and law came to Christ a few months ago. Uh, We've just discovered one of our other son's mother-in-law. She's asking about maybe going to church with our son and his his wife. And and so God is just starting. But we know we've got to be constant. We've got to be diligent. We cannot let this drop. Lost people matter to God. That's why God is breathing on this church. That's why there's a spirit of prayer over this. You cannot afford to sleep. Wake up. You cannot afford... God is not willing that any perish. Do you know that everybody on the planet Earth has sinned? Everybody has done something wrong? Broken one or more of God's commandments? And the Bible says the soul that sins is die, the wages of sin is death, and that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God, His... Holiness, His purity, His magnificence. Nobody on planet earth can get into the presence of the glory of God with sin still on their life. We would be consumed in a moment. And so, if we happen to die with our sin unforgiven, and we go to stand before the Lord, because the moment you die, the Bible says it is appointed for people to die once, and after that comes judgment. There is an immediate judgment to determine heaven or hell. We stand before the Lord. And Father, if our sin is unforgiven, He will be forced, He will be obliged by His holiness and by His justice to say to us, I, I, 
I wanted you to come into my presence. I wanted you to receive my gift of salvation that my son purchased for you. But you shut me out of your life. You never asked me to forgive you. And now I am obliged to send you to a place of separation from me where for eternity you will be. And that place is called hell. And it's not popular in Christian circles to preach on that. But friends, if there's going to be good news, there's got to be bad news first. And there is a place called hell. And there is, people just don't get destroyed going there. They live in eternal torment. And you and I, we, you know, we can't save people, but we can share the gospel. We can pray for them. And you know what? There's an insidious disease that's crept into Christianity in the West. And it's what A.W. Tozer said. He said, the vague hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly drug for the consciences of millions of people. Our conscience can get drugged by the devil. It's okay. The people around you, they'll be all right. Listen, God's not willing that any of them perish. Not willing that one be lost. And the Bible puts it like this. He so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. You've been a recipient of that. I've been a recipient of that. And I got so convicted writing my book, Afterlife, as I dealt with the chapters on judgment and on hell and, and the wonders of heaven, the, gl oh, the glories of heaven. And I just said, God, I've just got to get a greater fire in my heart for love. I've always wanted to see people saved. But I said, Lord, you've got to step it up to another level. And so I, I began to read books um, like I read Billy Graham's autobiography. I said, got to read something about an evangelist. Catch the fire that they carry. And I was so blessed by Billy Graham's story. Then I thought, what do I do? Oh, I'll read Reinhard Bonnke's story. How many have heard of Reinhard Bonnke? German evangelist, ministered a lot in Africa. Well, I tell you what, I made a big mistake reading that book. I would read it at nighttime before bed. I couldn't sleep. I was on fire. I kept hearing in my sleep, Africa shall be saved. And I'm, get out of my head, Reinhard. Out, out. And so I said to Greta, I have to read this in the daytime. It's like too energizing at night. But it put a fire in me. Say, God, light a fresh fire in my heart for the lost people in my life. Light a fresh fire for the lost in our ministry, for the nations. People we may never touch, but oh God, poor, we're going to give our lives to praying for the gospel of the kingdom to be broadcast across the nations of the earth. Friends, it's life and death stuff. And the people in your life, your in-laws or outlaws, whoever they might be, your blood relatives, your friends, your workmates, begin to pray, begin to ask God. I've told you before, uh, you know, I got a letter from a lady in Britain. She sent us this beautiful letter and because uh, we preached in London. And she said, you know, she said, my mother started praying for us five children that at least one of her kids would come into the kingdom of God. This lady, and she's an elderly lady now, she said, my mother prayed for... For 45 years, I think it was, and all five of us are now in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. It happens. It works. I don't know how long it has to take, but just 
Ask God to put a fire in you for the gospel. Ask God to put a fire in you for the nations of the earth. Don't just let your life idly pass by where there's an eternal destiny that's being sorted out for nations. And you and I have a part to bring influence upon the nations through prayer, through faith, through sending and giving. You cannot afford to be an idle Christian. I'm sorry if I'm passionate. No, I'm not sorry if I'm passionate. I am passionate. Hallelujah. I'm not going to apologize about that. He's got to get a fresh fire in our hearts. I'll close with Acts 11, 24, because I think this is a now word for Church Unlimited. It's a now word for the church throughout the nations. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Hallelujah. That's how harvest comes. When good people, and there's a room full of good people in this place today, when good people stand up and say, Lord, I want to be more than good. I want to be good and filled with the Spirit and filled with faith. There's about three claps in the room. I thought that was good preaching. I really did. (laughs) One of the prayers that Greta and I pray constantly is, God, don't leave us as we are. Keep filling us with your Holy Spirit and faith. Let more and more people come to faith in Christ. You know, I've, I've glimpsed heaven. Greta's glimpsed heaven. It's glorious. It's glorious. And, and we understand why God's heart beats with compassion for those whose sin is not yet forgiven. Jesus hung on a cross to die for our sin. And when you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, or when anybody ever believes, the Bible says, whoever believes in him and receives him, he gives them power to become a child of God. You know what God does? He takes your rotten record of sin, and it's all recorded in the books in heaven. I go into this in detail in my book. God records every sin, every wrong thing in the books in heaven. He takes that horrible record, and he put it on Jesus on the cross. Hallelujah. And then he takes the righteous record of Christ, perfection, and he puts it on you as a gift. And you are declared guiltless in the sight of God. How good is that? That is the grace of God. That is the wonderful grace. You know... All of us have good days and bad days. You know, some days we stumble and fall. We do things that Christians ought not to do. And other days we have a good day. Wow, I got through the day. I don't think I did anything wrong. Listen, even on your best day, even on my best day, my righteousness is as filthy rags before a holy God. It's the righteousness of Christ that you need, that that you are given as a gift through faith that allows you to stand before a holy God. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. All by the grace of God. And you might be here today, you've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you once did, but you've walked right away from God. And you need to know that God today extends to you the invitation. He wants you to be his child. He wants you to be his son, his daughter. He's not willing that any perish. And uh, if you will turn to the Lord today, he will wash you clean of your sin and welcome you into his family as a child of God. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. We're going to pray uh, for anyone that needs to receive the Lord. But Sam, I've been sitting on this all morning. I I just feel uh, you are going to come into a whole new level of of authority and of mantling uh, for leadership. 
the government is going to rest more on your shoulder, um, and your authority increase is going to come increasingly out of revelation, because authority comes from revelation. And it's not by the skill of reading leadership books, as good as those might be, and we can always get blessed by reading other people's stories, and that, but it's going to be your connection with the Lord. I, think, I feel like God is just going to deepen intimacy in your life with the Lord. I feel like Father, is, I get a picture of a beautiful banqueting table that the Lord has prepared just for you. And the Lord is sitting there and he's saying, come my son, I've opened a door. I want you to come and I want you to sit at my table. I want you to fellowship with me. We're going to have a great meal together. And on that table is everything you need to fulfill the call of God on your life. I see stuff on that table, like it's foodstuffs and it's others, but it's going to be food for your soul. It's going to be revelation to your heart, everything you need for the years to come, for where God wants to take you and what God wants to do with you. I tell you what, there's stuff on that table that the Lord is saying, come on, Sam, eat this, eat this. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my Father in heaven. And it's going to be that when you're your heart will thrill with an alignment with God's will like as never before in this next season. And because of that, fresh anointing, fresh grace will come upon you. There will be a transformation in your life within the next two years. You will not know yourself. There'll be a fire that burns in you that you didn't know was there because Jesus will put it in your heart and it will come flowing out of you. I see your mouth being like a flamethrower and God's going to get a hold of your tongue, son, and he's going to up the level of being able to preach the word of God with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. That's what Paul said to the Thessalonians. I did not preach simply with word, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. And I feel like as you will pursue the Lord and to sit at that feasting table and allow God to feed your soul in this next couple of years at another level, stuff is going to happen in your life that will equip you for where God wants to take you. Amen? There's a whole lot of stuff there. Um, that, you know, we as a church need to help you pray into being, and you need to go after that. But, you know, it, it all, it's always very exciting getting a prophetic word, but then, you know, the person getting it has <laughs> quite a responsibility. And uh, often all hell breaks loose, but I, re- I just bind that right now. And uh, just, but, you know, pray for Sam. Pray for him and Jody. Pray for them. Pray protection around their lives. As you do for Pastor Tark and Adrian, pray protection around their lives. God's doing something, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We better close this um, off.